Uh, all right. Well, you know, we're going. So we you, just leave all that stuff in. Leave it all in? Sure. Okay. So it's Tuesday, the, uh, Jesus, July 11th, 11th of July, middle of the month, almost, almost, uh, getting, get, we're getting into that area of the summer where time just kind of flies. Cause all the days kind of feel the same. Cause it's hot and you're doing stuff and right. going away and no one's at it's work. It's a big month. We got the 4th of July. Yeah. Got your birthday. You got my birthday. That's right, July 21st. I can't see it's Amazon Prime Day and uh I've been instructed not to not to buy things because you never know, right? Oh, like for birthday reasons. Right. Right. I, I thought it was birthday. I thought it was you never know what you're going to get from Amazon. No, no, no. No, just because birthday and and all that. Um yeah, 50. You you excited about that? I am. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I 50. Would be. Come on, half a century. I know. That's, that's, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I didn't think I'd still be here. It's really? No. Why? I don't know. Just, uh, you know, things happen. I don't know. Okay. So it's like the pyramids in age and then you is what you're saying. Right. <laughs> that's what it is. That's right. It's I love Lucy. I'm the one who snuck this footage in. That's that's the thing. <laughs> that's you. I was there. Wait, wait, the, did you give yeah. me the link? We got to put the link in the I, show I put notes. it in Skype. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, we were just talking about that. Bill brought this up. Uh, apparently, what's the story? Somebody snuck in? Yeah, somebody brought a an eight millimeter uh, movie camera, you know, old school home movie camera uh, into the stage that was filming I Love Lucy in 1951. And so they apparently it's recently found uh, this footage. And so there's basically a video on YouTube that shows black and white stuff happening. I love Lucy, like bits of, I love Lucy, and then cuts to eight millimeter color footage of what's happening, uh, on the show, for, but from further back, like behind the cameras. So you can see, you know, it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Actually. You know, what's actually it's- amazing about it is, is how differently lit it looks in black and white versus color. Right. Did you notice that? Like yeah. the background, like a minute in or so, he's sitting there, 30 seconds in, he's sitting there bobalooing with his bongo, you know? And the the guys are bongoing behind Wait, him in the band. Bobalooing? Is that, is that the verb now? Bobaloo. To, to bobaloo? Yeah. <laughs> he's bobalooing. And <laughs> the guys behind him are, are in the band and they were doing the same kind of thing. But then they cut to the color one and he's in a bright spotlight and the other guys look like they're three stops down in the backdrop background, you know? Right. I guess just, you know, the way the sensors worked on the, on the black and white, man, he was a handsome man. Look at him. He's a cool looking guy. Absolutely. Uh, They were a handsome couple. Yeah. They I mean, she's beautiful. You forget, you forget because she's so, she was so silly that, that, you know, how, how pretty of a woman she was. Yeah. Pretty lady. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, do you ever feel like the, that the, there are people for whom, our parents and our grandparents would know really well, like Lucille sure. Ball and Desi Arnaz. There's yeah, probably Cary Grant, a, Spencer Tracy. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These sure. kinds of people that kids nowadays wouldn't even know. You know what well, I mean? Of course. Yeah. Of course. And so, who, in, in the same way that that I listen to, you know, terrestrial radio, and I recognize very few things. Yeah. 
yeah. of, of like, you know, contemporary pop music. I don't recognize a lot. I, that's one of the reasons I love XM is because I can go back and, and, you know, listen to the things that are, you know, and I'm sure there's some great stuff out there. 70s but on 7. 70s on 7, sure. Uh, first Wave. Sure. Yeah. 80s music. So, yeah. uh, you know, the Elvis channel, the Beatles channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Broadway channel. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes good. sometimes people will say, uh, you know, list some music artist and they'll say, oh, you know, that song. I'll be like, I don't know that song. They'll start singing the song. I'm like, I've never heard that song in my life. And then they play it and I go, no, I really have never heard it in my life. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't own a TV. I don't own a radio. You know, I don't sit in cars very often. So when would I have heard this song? You know, um, guess I just like I'm outside of society or something. Right. Hey, right. uh, before we get into the what's next, because I think that's Wait, a, I, I want to sh- talk about that a little sh- more. What shouldn't shouldn't we tell them who we are? Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You it's on taking pictures. It. It's uh, your Six weekly photography <laughs> show talking about you know fifties television. Uh, it's episode two seven two. But you know what? It it comes around because we're talking about you. You mentioned stops and you mentioned color and black and white and yeah. uh, spotlight. So sure, yeah. You know, there, there's some there's some photo business in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's episode 272, for those of you keeping track. Uh, Bill Wadman in Brooklyn. Jeffrey Sidoris in Silver Spring. Hey, uh, uh, we have a thing. Both of us in humidity? Yes, we have a thing. What thing? Uh, uh, listener, Freddie Clark. Okay. Doing a uh, workshop. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, beer doing workshop. a workshop. A beer, yeah, photographing beverages, um, and and Freddie has has he has gotten amazingly adept at photographing the beverages. He has really put in the time, and his stuff is is very very good. Uh, he's working with New Jersey Beer Company now, doing right. some uh, some photography for them. It's uh, and, uh, it's probably partially because he spent so much time staring at beer bottles. <laughs> That's right. How can I make this even <laughs> sexier? Uh, so he's doing a workshop on here. I'm going to send this to you, Bill. Right, I'm going to text it. it to you. Okay. Uh, cause it's in my phone. He is doing a workshop on September 12th. It's going to be six to 9 PM. Uh, it is, uh, $175 per person. And, uh, if you want to know more information about it, cheers at santephoto.com. That's S A N T E photo.com. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, learn to drink and photograph beer responsibly with Freddie Clark. Ooh. I will, uh, yeah. This, this, now this, I got to tell you. I mean, I love Freddie. This is, this, very few jobs match <laughs> the job holder <laughs> as well as Freddie Clark and beer photography. It's true, isn't it? Freddie loves beer. He is he is a a beer aficionado, a connoisseur. He can tell you, you know, what's good and why. So for him to be able to like, you know, do this for a living, photograph yeah. food and beverages. Yeah, you kind you, of a perfect match. You could say that yeah, it's it's the ideal do what you love kind of situation. Yeah. Um yeah. do you think that's a requirement to love what you do? Yeah. Well, um, I think it's only been in the last 80 to a hundred years where that's even been a question that you were allowed to ask. Right. I agree. Uh, you know, as, as my friend Mark's dad used to say over and over again, uh, if it was supposed to be fun, they wouldn't call it work. Right. 
But do you, but is that is that just sort of self-flagellation? No, I think that's I think that's how the it way it was and the way it is right. for a great number of people. That, but is, that, it, is it how it should be? Well, in a perfect, you know, if this was, you know, it, no, it's not. I guess how it should be, but yeah. until until the 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 prime mover of humanity is not the accumulation of personal wealth, right? Right. Then. Right, right. You know, I mean, yeah, if we could live in 23rd century Star Trek land, then yeah, where everybody should take pride and be happy and be fulfilled by what they do. Mm. Yeah, that would be great. But, you know, if everybody did what they wanted to do, then there would be fewer plumbers and custodians and, you know, iron workers and people that wear the orange vests and clean up the side of the freeway. And, you know, so that, that utopian ideal, while on some level an ideal again we are we are in a society where the the prime mover is wealth yeah and and the irony is that five five people five men have more wealth than the rest of the world combined true five men five white men yeah Kind of that's a little bit off for me yeah well it's a little bit off for everybody i think yeah so yeah i think it, i think you should love what you do and i think i think you can love what you do i think loving what you do and loving what you do for a living can be two very different and 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 still very satisfying and fulfilling things you know uh, you last week sort of brought up this topic of of what's next you know trying to figure out like what you're gonna do after the book and just the general idea of how you decide what to do next, right? And you and I talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I just thinking, I guess my question is, does is is success in the endeavor or is the endeavor what you're thinking about more? You know, I mean, are you thinking about it as, oh, is this thing that I'm going to do next am I going to enjoy doing this or is this a smart thing to do for economic reasons or career reasons or whatever? So therefore, that's the prime mover. You know, well, for me, the, the, the odds of making a great deal of money on whatever comes next are pretty slim. Okay, so... That's, that's the reality of it. Right. So if I'm going to put my time and energy and, and flex any sort of creative muscle, then why not enjoy it? Why yeah. not? Why not make it something that I can that I can do that I'm passionate about? That's, that's what the book ended up being. I know I'm not going to make any money on this book. Right. Right. You know, I hope some of you buy it. If I could sell 500 copies, I'd be thrilled. Right, if I right, could sell right. a thousand copies, I'd be over the moon. Right. And and I don't think that's impossible. Right. I think there will be people that enjoy the ebook. I think that there will be people that enjoy the print book. I I, I hope anyway. The feedback that I've gotten so far, um, pretty strong words have been thrown around describing it by some people that I respect. Right. But that doesn't translate into money. And what, what's interesting about this project, and, and I'm sure that you and some of our listeners uh, can relate to this, the, the approach to this project was never to make money. It started as a challenge. Uh, uh, it started as a writing challenge because I can't stand this kind of writing. I find it hard. I find it not very expressive. I find right. it 
time consuming. It's tedious. Well, it's 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 objective as opposed to. I mean, your other writing tends to be more emotional or yes. I, yes. I, I, would, I would use the word flowery, but I don't mean that as a deprecating thing. No, I just it's mean not that, at all. I write with a great deal of flourish yes. when I write for myself. And this so, is not so that kind of thing. This is not that kind of thing. It's it's a field guide. It's a field guide for photographers. So it's it's much more sort of technical and dry. And that was the challenge. How can how can I get something out of this project? How can I how can I do a project like this the way I would want to see it? Right. The way I would want to photograph it, the way I would want the drawings to look. And I so I what do I do? I mean, just like anything else, you gather your resources, you gather your your source material. And for me, that source material was was vintage camera manuals and vintage instruction manuals. And sure. there, there was a, a way of laying things out and a color palette and and a style of, of line drawing that I tried to pull from for this. Is it some great piece of design akin to, you know, Sagmeister or Carson right, right, or Draplin? Right. Probably not. Right. But it afforded me to go, okay, time, money, and someone else's opinion are taken out of this equation. What can I do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? Why not be happy with it? Why not? Why not take the time to now? If if I had a timeline, if I had a budget, if I had somebody looking over my shoulder, uh, saying, "Okay, it's got to be done in three months, and you can put a maximum of four hundred hours into it, whatever it is." Yeah. Right. It would look very different. Our, Just, our, the question is: Do you think that it could that it could look better with all of those constraints on you? No way to know. You're right. 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 No but it's conceivable know. that that like sure. maybe 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 other people involved or or constraints or people giving you feedback along the way could could have could sure because or, I've yeah. spent you know months and months and months going over it and over it and over it and redoing drawings and redoing photographs and and right. you know rewriting text and and editing and re-editing and hopefully it's you know it's a snapshot of as good as it needs to be for right now. You know, right. in the same way that 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 your your latest project for yep. uh, traveling all over the country, you know, it's as good as you can make it right now, given the constraints, given the time, given the budget, given the how tired you were from flying for 27 hours the day before, right. you know, all of those factors. But at the end of the day. Wouldn't you rather do that? Wouldn't you rather try and make that as fulfilling as possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny when in the beginning of things that seem daunting it's it can feel like oh god i don't want i don't want to run through this gauntlet <laughs> you right. know uh i'm going to get beat i got to get from here i got to get to there <clears throat> there are uh actual physical obstacles in my way there are mental mental obstacles in my way there are uh, uh, limitations and constraints that are going to change over the course of it, right? So mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not going to be a straight line. And those limitations may change the next portion of the project. They may change what oh, yeah, comes yeah, next. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You're in the middle of the gauntlet. They're just like, oh, no, you can't go that way anymore. And it's like, ah, oh, for God's sakes, you know, this is all my energy has been going in this direction. Now you got to tell me to do a 90 degree shift, you know. Um, all of those things happen. And then you get to the end of it after you know, running through the woods and delivering your final JPEGs as I did yesterday for this thing. And you kind of go, man, I mean, that sucked, but it wasn't that bad. Bring it on. What's the next one? Right. Right. Even, even though at the beginning of it, you were, you were not terrified, not scared. It's a different feeling. It's not, it's not fear. 
it's just sort of um, uh, minor resentment at what you're going to have to go through to get to the end. Does that make sense? I don't know. If that's yeah, the maybe. Wrong word. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I said, you know, a month ago, maybe even on the last show, that I wouldn't do another book like this. But as I've been thinking about it, now you're thinking about it. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, hmm. you know, part of it is because you've done that, right? Right. Like I've traveled for work. I've never traveled quite as much as I did two weeks ago for work. All like, you know, all at once. I, I never traveled right. to four cities in six days. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of thing. Um, and I was very apprehensive about it just because there's so many unknowns, finding assistance, getting from location to location, all the air travel, trying to make all that work, blah, blah, blah. But now that I've done it, it's like, all right, that's no big deal. Let's we could do that again. You know, now right, that right. now that I know what to go through, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when you're in, when you were in elementary school going to middle school, or middle school going to high school, or high school going to college, and you were all terrified of about what's next because it was so different or so much bigger than what you had done before. And then you get sure. there and you go. Oh yeah, this isn't a spec. It's not that different. It's kind yeah, of a, there's that no there's that deal. first week of oh my god, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Right. Yeah. And then you're like, uh, okay. Yeah. And then you settle into it, and then you go back to your high school or whatever from college and see some friends of yours that were a year younger, and you go, oh my god, you guys are like in kitty school over here. Yeah. You yeah. know, or at least it feels that way because you've moved on mentally. Um, well, and and it's you know, there's another with this project. There's now the how do you sell it? How do you get it out? How do you right. get it to people? So now there's this other component to it that that is on many levels even further outside my comfort zone and skill set to be honest right. than than writing the book was, you know. And in talking to publishers, you know, they're saying things like, well, you know, best case scenario it can be out, you know, in the fall of 2018, but we're already looking at our 2019 editorial calendar. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to wait till 2019. Yeah, two I've years. been working on this thing for two years. I don't right. want to, I don't want to wait another two to have it see the light another, of day. Another two years are going to have to make changes to the technology. Right. Right. Stuff in yeah. There. I'm going to have to go back and rewrite the sensor section. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, you make, you, you make these choices like now, you know, Fielding and I are going, well, what if we were to self publish the initial run and right. let the publisher take the second edition in, you know, in 2018 right. or whatever, you know, well, if that's an option. Can, can, wait, can I ask a question on yeah, the sure. air? Yeah. Why even deal with the publisher? Why not just self-publish it? Well, that's- Just to get it in bookstores? Like how many bookstores are there anymore? <laughs> yeah. Right. There are a couple things. Um, part of me, part of me is wrestling with the stigma. If I'm, you know, if I'm being really honest with it, self-publishing on some level still feels like you went down to the basement and made some Xerox copies. Sure. Okay. Okay. I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, I understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily you know? agree. Think that that's I, so and, anymore. Ostensibly, I, I, I know that's not true. Right. Um, but, you know, there's still, it's, it's almost like uh, getting a record deal versus just uh, opening an iTunes account and throwing it up and seeing what happens. Yeah. The funny thing about that though, is that I, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, published authors. Yeah. Uh, Many of whom have talked about how the amount of money they're getting from that is almost nothing. And had they self-published, they could have gotten 70%. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It really economically doesn't make sense. But I think for your, no. for our generation and a lot of my friends who are authors or want to be authors, even if they, they'll write a book and they'll be shopping it around and not getting enough 
interest or you know having fighting that thing and i'll be like why don't you just put it up on amazon and keep writing books well then yeah. i won't be a published author you know there's and like that's this. that's the, the, that's exactly what i was trying to get at yeah. was that's my own stigma about it it's weird because it's, it's generational man like that it is generational the other side of it bill is is we have this audience of thousands and thousands of regular listeners yep. that at least some of you i hope are going to look at this thing and go yeah i'll check that sure. i'll take that here's 20 bucks. Yeah. Let me see that. Yep. So you're right. The, 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 the times they are a change in, 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 in terms of how we release and what to expect from it. And I've talked to a number of people just like you that, you know, have said, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't go this route because, you know, I spent 24 months of my life on this and I'm getting 250 a copy. Yeah, yeah. If that, and I already got a five thousand dollar advance that I'll yeah. never pay off from that two fifty. Exactly. I'm right back where I started. That's you know. another thing. Is I I know a, a a pretty big photographer, and we were talking about this, and he's like, I still owe my publisher money. Yeah. Right. Right. They gave me an advance, and we didn't sell through the advance, so technically, I still owe the money. How much is it? An element, though, of. <clears throat> uh, if I'm if I'm published by XYZ publishing company, that mm-hmm. gives me a stature that will elevate my career in a way that making money off the book doesn't maybe meet. But d- d- does it? I don't know. I don't I mean, know that d- it does anymore. Yeah, but there, uh, you know, there's the like Jeffrey Sidoris, like you know, Penguin published author Jeffrey Sidoris or whatever, right? You know, I don't know. I don't think it's like an Oscar. Yeah, but but for some people, they think it is. I guess maybe yeah. I don't know. I I, I just want to see the thing in my hands. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, all. Yeah. You know, it yeah. it doesn't have to have you know Abrams or Harper Collins yeah. or you know the, Fiden the hard part or, about publishing in general is just the <clears throat> cost per book, putting up the thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars to do the run. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and and the 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 economies of scale. You know, doing a thousand costs. 10% more than doing 500, you know, just cause it's all set up costs right, and all right. that kind of stuff. Right. And it's so um, weird. It's like doing, let's say on a small run, doing 250 costs X number of dollars, yeah. right? Doing 251 to 500, any number in there, yep. that, that, that cost just dropped 30%. Yep. And you're like, wow, really? So if I just went and did 251 of them, I get 30% off the publishing, you know, off the printing right, right, costs. Right, 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 right. And it just seems kind of strange and, and, and almost arbitrary because that's not my my world. Well, I think that it's that's also leftover stuff of how the world used to work back mm-hmm. in the big publishing days, right? You know, it's all leftover stuff. And then there's distribution and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, you're right. You you have spent X have you added up how many hours you spent on this thing? Or do you have oh, any God, idea? No. Well, okay, here's the thing. I found my I found my first outline. And it was from September of 2013. That yep. was the first outline that I had written. My right. father died in November of 2013. Right. So it got put on the shelf for a while. Yeah. I, that, that, that two months leading up to it, month and a half, or whatever, when I was out there, I didn't do anything. And then after he died, I didn't do anything for a long time. Right. Right. Anything. Right. You know, just like same with my mom. Um, I picked it up again in 2015. So even even part-time, let's say, you know, part-time over the past, you know, two years. What's what's a full-time job? 2,080 hours? Is that what it works out to be? I never did yeah. the math. I think it's 2,080. Okay. So conservatively, 1,000 hours, but it's probably more than that. Uh, more than 1,000 hours? Probably. 
Yeah, probably, right? Over a couple but of years, a few hours here, here a few here, hours here's, here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. My, my passion for drawing has, has sort of bubbled back up because I did all these diagrams and drawings for it. Yep. Um, my own photography. You know, I did I did a hundred original photos for right. the book. Um, I mean, that's kind of neat that to know that somewhere out there there are going to be fifty something drawings and a hundred photographs that I took in one volume of a book. That's pretty cool. So now I'm going, hmm, what can I do next that takes those two things? Because that part I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the drawing part. I enjoyed the uh, the. Uh, the photographing part, which is I enjoy ironic, the conversational aspect of it. Well, yeah, which is ahead. interesting considering the fact that originally you started it as a writing exercise. Yes. The things that you enjoy doing it, were not the things that are writing. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the same way that, that maybe listeners who are, who, who have embarked on a personal project, uh, that, that started out as a challenge, but maybe took them in a different direction and spawned an entirely new way of thinking, new way of seeing, new body of work, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, you, you just, it, it really goes back to the simplest analogy and is just do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that it comes down to such a basic thing. Somebody said to me the other day, I was, they were over here, I was taking their picture for the daily and they were just like, you know, how do you find these people? How do you do this thing? And like, you know, man, that's a lot of work. And I was like, yeah, I said, but you know, <laughs> I'm definitely a, a devil's playground kind of guy. Like I'd rather be busy doing something, you know, mm -hmm. just, just keep moving. I stand still. That's, that's when, that's when the cobwebs grow, you know? And, and, and honestly, <clears throat> you know, to, to, to your point last week, when we were originally talking about this whole what's next topic, your idea was okay once i finish this let me sit here and think about what i'm going to do next where my experience with that kind of thought is that if i if i stop to think about the next thing it's going to be forever until i do the next thing where if i just jumped into something else no matter what it was in this in the case your case in point with the book oh i'm going to do this writing exercise which turns out that i really enjoyed the illustration and the photography part of it Mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't matter that you started it as a as a as a uh as a writing exercise that's although you did do a lot of writing and i'm sure the writing is excellent uh, th that that that's not w what you're getting out of it that's not what you've learned from it it's not that you enjoy the writing and you you don't see what i'm saying that yeah yeah no i do so in some ways just jumping into something anything is better than sitting and, and trying to figure out what's next what's next will will figure out itself yeah well i you know my friend jeff newton terrific photographer in la uh we were talking a couple months ago about you know his projects and what was going on and he and he said look man he's same kind of thing as you he's like i gotta be doing it's always better to be doing than thinking about doing yep yep you know and one of the hashtags that he uses is new work hustle because he is and and to his credit, he is always hustling new work and, and is just that kind of guy and, and, you know, took a personal project. He started a personal project called Americano Mondays because he's passionate about coffee. Oh, the coffee thing, so, yeah. Yeah, and that turned into this thing and, you know, every new client he had in 2015 and into 2016 came as a result of this thing, of this passion project for coffee. Right, right. You know, so we, we don't know where these things are going to go. 
I don't know if it's going to be a drawing project, a photographic project. There's a conversational aspect to the book. Uh, I talked to six photographers and right. include the transcripts of those conversations. So is Did that going to be a thing? No. Okay. No. Five questions, two common questions, three unique to each photographer. So we, we get we get two common questions across the board to see how they answer them. And then three unique. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, it, it was interesting to see how how they they answered them. And they're, they're photographers for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect. And they're all very different. They all shoot very different genres. They shoot very different styles. Um, you know, so to, to kind of get in that headspace, maybe the next thing is a book of just conversations. I don't know. Right. I don't right, know. Right. Just, uh, do you think that, conversations written down in transcript form are as powerful as listening to them spoken? I think they can be. And, and one of the, the turning points lately has been uh, the Studs Terkel book uh, working. And uh, you know, this is a book, you know, Studs talks to people. Old school. Over, yeah, old school. Um, and talk to people over the course of like 40 years Um about their jobs, about what what they do for a living, what they get out of it, what they don't get out of it. How does it affect? It was a it's a phenomenal book. Yeah. And his framework and I think just the sort of rawness of it, it it doesn't look I'm sure it was edited. Right. But right. It, it doesn't look edited for content as as maybe it's edited for punctuation and flow. But, you know, it, it's by and large, it seems to be people in their own words. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, I do think that they can, that they can be as powerful. Um, Plus studs Turkle is a great name. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, I enjoy the, the conversational aspect of it. It would yeah. be a, it would be a bummer to, to transcribe all that. I mean, you'd have to have somebody do it, but um you know, maybe, maybe there's a way to do both. Maybe you do it as an audio book and then you do it as a print book. And, yeah. You know, you, you might get a kick out of this. So yep. 20 years ago when I was in college, oh God, that feels like not 20 years ago, but 20 years ago when I was in college, hi kids are in college now. Uh, it's going to go fast. Um, one of the projects we had to do was a sound alike. We had to t- choose an old recording and basically make a version of it for a lot of TV shows do this, right? If they can't get the rights to Blackwater, they'll have somebody record Blackwater and make it sound as close to the original as possible so that 60% of people listening won't even know that it's not the original. They'll just think, oh, sure. it's a Doobie uh, They did it for games, uh, like Guitar Hero or, or yeah, Rock right. Band or something exactly. like that. Yeah. Right. So sure. so this is a this is a, a little bit of a test. It's sort of like in painting class if, you're, if they said, you know, create an impressionist painting even though you're not an impressionist painter. Um so me and my best friend at the time who was not in school but came in and and helped us out on this uh and my good friend uh Jonathan Gorman and this guy Eric Nickerson we went and recorded I know a Jonathan version. Gorman? Yes, you know Jonathan Gorman. Yeah. So the I met Jonathan Gorman because of the project I'm talking about which was ha, doing a sound alike of Billy Joel's Big Shot. And Who sang it? Uh Andy sang it. I played piano, Andy played bass, yeah. So when we were doing the tune in the, there's two breaks towards the end that has a, uh, a sax part where it goes, it goes like that. Right. And for some reason I didn't, 
by the deadline of when I had to hand in the project, I couldn't get a sax player in to play the sax part. And I got dinged for not having the sax part done. For some reason, for 20x years, this has been a little bit of a thorn that I never finished this thing that was has been sitting unfinished for decades. Right. So the other day, uh, I, I, I've become friends with this, this, uh, the, the, the pizza bats, my friends who are sing, uh, Sydney, she sings and plays guitar and, and her, uh, her boyfriend, Jake plays alto sax and he's amazing. And he was over here and I said, Hey Jake, could you come over one time and record the sax parts, the big shot for me? Cause I had the mix and I could like blend it in. And so on Friday, Jake came over and spent like two hours with staff papers transcribing the multiple parts, listening to it at a quarter speed, trying to figure out what like the lower harmony was, and recorded this thing. And I finished it and I sent it to all the all my friends who were involved in the thing. And for some reason, the idea of finishing something that was unfinished, even twenty years hence, twenty years later, is just like yeah. yes, finished. <laughs> you know, like. Finally, goddamn it! I, it's done. You know, right? Right. Like this thing. Had you thought about it over the years, or did it just come sort of back into the fold recently? Well, t- two things. One, uh, I had thought about it over the years. About fifteen years ago, I did a, a version with like crappy MIDI sax that I recorded here, just to have a version with the sax part in there. Um, it's not an easy sax part too. So it's not like I could just get anybody off the street to play. It's like serious player kind of thing. Um, and then recently my sister called me because, uh, I got, maybe it was the band ween. Does ween do covers live? There's some band that, that I've does heard a lot of, of ween, but I couldn't tell you what a okay. ween song is. Okay. Well, the, so, so there's some band that, that my brother-in-law was playing with a bunch of people were over the other day and they did a cover of big shot. And my sister's like, my brother did a better version of this and went and found my version and played it for them and called me and said, I just played your version of big shot. So that kind of popped it back into my mind. And I thought, you know what? I know a sax player now. Why don't I get this done? So the reason I bring this up is a, it's just fun to finish things. Uh, Secondly, I think my next what's next over the next month or so is finishing things that have been sort of stragglers, right? Things that I never quite finished that I'm like, you know, what? I could spend a day and shoot the rest of that composite and finish that thing and put it out or whatever. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, yeah, my, my next thing is to make a list of stuff that's undone and finish stuff that's undone. I guess my question is to you. Do you have things like that in your life and do they still <laughs> nag at you? Um, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff? Anything you could share? It's like, it's like you don't even know who I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there there are... And I mean stuff that, you, not only stuff that you just thought about, but stuff that you actually started and never finished, you know? Yes, there are a couple projects that... that um, that come to mind. It's um, like you don't even know me. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I did a project that went from sketches to prototype to seven different versions of physical prototypes that I built. And then it's, it just stopped. There's a, it, it's all in a box in my closet. Why did it stop? Um, mm, well, I think it, 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 it uh, it stopped because it came down to the Achilles heel of of most of the reasons that I stopped thing and it, it, it's distribution. It's the entrepreneurial part that it, the idea part. I don't fail. My my idea game is strong. It's it's the entrepreneurial component of getting things out into the world and mass. That's where I fail. Yeah, but isn't that's that, the skill set that I don't have? But isn't that the 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 problem? 
zone that has been massively improved over the past even five years? Sure. Sure. For someone else. You want something manufactured in China and put up for sale on Amazon. That is not an undoable thing for a single person living in Silver Spring, Maryland. Not at all. You know not I mean? at all. Yeah, not at all. And it, and maybe that's a project. And, and that's another thing that, that people close to me have seen it, have seen the scope of it and, yeah. and have gone, oh my God, that's, that's a million dollar thing. That's a thing that, that there's an audience for that. And, right. and I'm sure there is, um, but there, there are a couple things like that. There's a, there's another book that I've been noodling on. Um, there's a screenplay, there's, uh, another body of painted work. There's, you know, yeah, there, sure. I, I remember, uh, one time I'm back to work, Merlin and Dan were, were discussing, <sighs> You know, somebody wrote in because Merlin's like big on the whole productivity thing, you know, and that's ostensibly what his his game is. And somebody wrote in saying, you know, what, what how do you know when to basically let things on your to do list go because you're never going to get to them so hmm. that they're not like clogging up your mind, you know. And Merlin had, I don't remember exactly what his answer was, but his answer was basically if you haven't done it by now, you're probably not going to do it. So let it go and move on. And I, I, I like that idea, but I, I think that I am more stuck on that than I would like. You know, that, that there are things... I mean, did this stupid project that I did as a sophomore or junior in college really matter at all in my life if I'd never finished it? Well, no, of course not. It's, it's just, it was just some school project. But for some reason, I don't like the idea of my name being on something that's unfinished. And I still don't like that. <laughs> I, on the other hand, apparently have no problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's it's. I mean, look, there are plenty of things like that that I'm that I'm you know that are in the works that haven't been completed, which are driving me crazy. But I think you know before I start on something new, I want to clean the decks. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a healthy. That's a I don't know. I guess it's a healthy thing to do. Um. Anyway, I just thought you'd get a kick out of that and figured. Yeah, no, it's it's something I think about a lot, and you know the 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 what's next is not a <laughs> is not unlike the the you know what project next is not unlike what tool what what's the next tool, you know what's the next thing I want to read what's the next thing it, yeah. it, it it all ties together it it all yeah. is a source of. Uh, both joy and anxiety. Yeah, my friend James uh, was telling me the other day he's he's kind of getting uh, sucked into playing with DaVinci Resolve and doing all the tutorials. And you is know. is the final out of fourteen? By the way, uh, or is it still beta? No, it's still beta, as far as I know. Um, and he was he was he's been so he's been learning he's been learning actually twelve five because his computer can't run 14 for some reason. Anyway, the long story short is that he's been sucked into it. And he said, you know, I have a really hard time if I don't, if I'm interested in something and he says, and this has caught my interest, I will spend 15 hours a day obsessing, learning every single thing I can learn, playing with stuff. He's like, if you have footage you could send me that I can grade, even if you throw it out, I just want to have stuff to work on, like send it to me. Because to him, it's sort of this, uh, this, it's, you know, he's a sponge and once he gets turned on, he's like a Hoover vacuum. But if hmm. he's not interested, 
he'll sit and veg on a, on a, on a chair for six days watching Netflix. Um, I probably would, I, I'm definitely the, the former, I try not to be the latter by even filling my time with other stuff that I'm not as excited about just because I feel like it's more useful. You know, there's plenty of TV that I haven't watched because it's like, I just don't want to spend the time watching TV. If it, it feels like a waste of time to me watching lots of TV and movies, you know, oh, um, there's such good TV on right now. I, I, I realize that a lot of it makes me very sad. That's why I don't watch it. Um, or very anxious. I got enough anxiety in my life. Um, right. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, I guess there's just different ways people see all this kind of stuff, trying to figure out what to do. And and you can't you can't plan it. You can't figure out, or or it's a fool's errand to try to figure out what it is that you're going to enjoy and what you do next. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So what do you think of this, Amelia Hart? Can, can you put up that song? Can you put up Big Shot? Uh, yeah, I can put it up somewhere. You, you feel willing to share that? Yeah, I can find a place to put it. I could put it up on uh, uh, SoundCloud or something, couldn't I? Just send it to Liberty DeVito. See what he thinks. <laughs> I think I still have a SoundCloud account. Um, SoundCloud's in trouble, apparently. Yeah, they're not doing well. What do you think about that? Um, I think that that I don't. I hate to use the term "too big to fail," but they have, you know, what what 150 million. Uh, users. Somebody's got to pick that up just for the users, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, man, I don't know. It's 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 a problem, right, for them. Well, they I, they, see, they is, laid off like forty percent of their workforce. Isn't this kind of what you and I were talking about before, though? Just the idea that 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 you put your you put your stuff. What were we talking about last week? What was the the photo sharing service? Photo oh, bucket. Uh, photo shelter? No, photo shelter. Photo bucket. Something One of like those. that. That that this is the problem with st- sticking all of our stuff on a particular thing. So let's say SoundCloud goes down. What does Star? What is what is Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast called? Star Talk. You know what is what happens to Star Talk? The feed is on there. Well, they probably go to Libsyn or right, right, right. But you got to like you know. then copy everything over, move the feed. I mean, you know what I mean. Like it's not a insignificant technical risk. Well, that's you know? no, no. I mean, that's always the danger. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. It's the yeah, danger yeah. of using feed burner. It's the danger. What if Libsyn goes out? What didn't if, it, didn't know? it used to be though that 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 you could tell whether a website or whatever was going to be around for a while just based on like the look. You know, like, oh, yeah, it looks like there's money behind this. It looks like it's going to be around a right, while. Right. Nowadays, you can't tell because somebody can make a really good looking thing that has nothing behind it, you know? Um, or they figured out that little sneaky thing. I don't know. It's scary to me that, that this stuff can just go away like that. But, yeah. Uh, does Google have any kind of upload thing like that? I guess you could stick something on Google Drive and, and have a Maybe share Maybe Google to Drive it. or uh, Amazon CloudFront. Use yeah, that. but I'm just thinking a place to put Big Shot because apparently my SoundCloud thing is over its limit. I free it. Uh, what about Dropbox? Yeah, I could just stick it on Dropbox or stick it on on TakingPictures.com. Oh yeah, yeah, I could just I could just stick it up there in this week's episode. Yeah, all right, I'll, fi- I'll figure out a thing. Um, I mean, you know, six or seven anything. people might listen to it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. What do you think of this picture? Uh, I think it's too blurry to tell. Okay. What, what Jeffrey's referring to 
is a photograph of that that some people say investigators behind a new History Channel documentary believe is Amelia Earhart, who was also a beautiful woman. You always never think about that. Um, And a hell of a pilot. Um, There's a picture from the National Archives that some guy found that they think is Amelia Amelia Earhart sitting on a dock on an island in the Pacific that was controlled by the Japanese in the late 30s. Is this all correct? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to tell. I mean, it is. It, the, the, it's a very blurry photo. Yes. Uh, the does the skin tone look more Caucasian? Maybe, but yeah. it could be the way the lights hitting it. Yeah. Uh, you know the 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 the. the yeah, it could be his- a small Japanese boy, <laughs> a teenage yeah, Japanese I mean, boy rather. The, yeah. the History Channel is saying that that. Uh, she and Fred Noonan didn't crash, but instead, or crash uh, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, it crashed somewhere else. And and the theory is that that she died in a Japanese prison camp. Uh, right. But there's another theory that she was really a double agent, and then there's another theory that you know, Zenu carried her from the mothership. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. speculation. I feel like if if they actually had captured. Amelia Earhart, that they would have used it as a political thing of, see, you guys couldn't even get around the world, and now we have her. You know, that they would not you have would been, think. we're not, we're not going to stick her in prison and let her rot to death. That just seems and crazy to me. If that is her, yeah. and she is in a Japanese-controlled territory. territory during World War II, she looks like, I mean, she's pretty not relaxed. being, yeah, yeah. She, she, she looks pretty chill. For Sitting being a prisoner on the of war, dock of the bay. right? <laughs> she totally is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that they, they, there's also this element of that's the airplane being towed behind there? Do you see that? There's also the idea that that, that their airplane is being towed by the boat in the in the background. Towed by the large boat or by that smaller boat? By the boat to the left of all the people. I think that see, there's like a boat, and then right behind it, the thing what kind of looks like it could be the fuselage of an airplane. I guess I think okay. that's a stretch. I, I think so too. Part of my problem with this, Jeffrey, is that this is like staring at clouds, right? You're going to see shapes. Humans mm-hmm. like patterns. How many pictures are sitting in archives around the world that are ultimate, that, that could be misconstrued or seen later? And oh, all of a sudden we have this insight into history that we didn't have before. Look, Stalin was actually in Potsdam six weeks before and talking to. Churchill, you know, whatever it is, right? Because they're in the background of some photo that no one ever noticed because it's in a drawer somewhere. But we digitize all this stuff and either people or groups of people or soon to be AIs start noticing things, connections within photographic history that we never knew before. You know, that's kind of what's interesting to me. If that yeah, ends up happening. I, I mean... It's kind of like the, I don't the picture th- of Bill Clinton hugging Monica Lewinsky, you know, which was just some random shot from some guy until it comes out that he was sleeping with her, you know. Right. Th- this is not, I don't think it's conclusive, you know. They, they oh, spoke to a, a photo editor or curator, rather, at, at the Smithsonian, uh, Dorothy Cochran, uh, curator at the, oh, at uh, Air and Space. Yep. Who said, uh, I can't really comment definitively on the photograph, and I don't think history investigators can either. Uh, she says, noting that the image is, quote, kind of a blurry photograph, end quote. Yeah, yeah. It is very blurry, isn't it? 
Yeah. It's almost like there's no information in there. I mean, it's it's like a blob of white and black in the background behind some other people. Well, then they're 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 saying that one of the other people is Fred Noonan because the hairline matches. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're increasing this thing 4,000% and then you're vectorizing one photograph to try and it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's good advertising for the history channel. Maybe is that basically what it is? It seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, but it is interesting. Photographic news, I guess is the only reason I bring it up. Um, I don't, I, I don't believe it, but I think that it's kind of cool. I, I don't know. Do you have a thing for mysteries like this? Like, do you uh, want to know what happened to Amelia Earhart? Is that a thing that sticks with you? I th- I think it's it's interesting, but again, I want to have more. Otherwise, it it comes off as you know alien abduction theory. Yeah, didn't there you wasn't know? there a guy not too long ago who claims to have found beauty product bottles and stuff on some other island in the Pacific that they think was theirs? There was some other Amelia Earhart thing beauty last year. Bottles. Basically, there was like some. Uh, 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 like a moisturizer or something that they knew Amelia Hart used, and they found an empty bottle of it, like you know, on the shore of some island next to like a campsite somewhere. Huh? Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. So anyway, just it's uh, I'll 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 find it and put a link in the show notes. It was like last year or two. Um, one it's, of those- it's kind of funny that that in this in this uh uh photograph that they've they've done this forensic analysis and they've gone well look this part of the boat is eight feet long and so that means that this this blurry shape behind the boat referring to maybe the fuselage of her Lockheed Electra was 38 feet and if we do the math it matches up yeah it it looks like it's 38 feet it's like okay you know photogrammetry or whatever the hell it's called is is a lot more complex than that (laughs) because you also have the fact that it's going off into the distance behind it, and are you yes, taking into account the angles? There's, and, yeah, exactly. You know, ugh, I don't know. It's uh, okay. Gardner Island apparently is where where they think that they could have landed, and that they may have had like a small settlement. But and, why? Uh, why eighty years later, nobody has heard this? Then. Yeah. Oh, you mean this the 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 Japanese thing? Yes. If yeah. if she were uh, that never got out. Yes, that that one of the most famous people in the United States at that time was taken prisoner. And to your point, that wouldn't have been used for some sort of political leverage. Of course it would have. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so stupid. You know, we have your fancy woman who's trying to fly around the world, you know. Yeah, it's it's just dumb. But that's just the way of. uh, Still interesting, though. Yeah. Think about, you know, whatever. Um. I found this before we get to our uh, uh, um, uh, sponsor of the week. We uh, I found these images in uh, the CNN style section. Thomas Ruff's vintage photos of forgotten Hollywood actresses. What I found interesting, and it's just a lot of a lot of pictures from back in the heyday of the you know fifties and six forties, like 50s screen and 60s. test photos and yeah. things like that. Yeah, um, I love all the marks on them. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I what I find fascinating is is the marks, the the like retouching things and and mm-hmm. um just the way they used to do that kind of stuff. You know, no, we need to color this, we need to move this in, we need to clean up this little blotch on her nose or whatever. Um Yeah, these are great photos. 
Yeah, aren't they kind of fascinating? But w- it's I think without the marks, though, they wouldn't be nearly as interesting. It's Correct. interesting because there are these prints that are sitting there. Um, yeah, some yes, of them are- uh, I think it, it comes back to the artist's hand. We, yeah. we can see the artist or the editor. Uh, we can see a, a, a human hand in the editing and selection and, and curation process. And that, yeah. I think that fascinates us. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, for any of you who are interested in this kind of stuff. I think it's kind of neat. And also the idea that, you know, back in the day, I remember, was it William Klein or somebody? A lot of people, so in the old days, you used to make, if you were going to sell your picture to a magazine or what have you, there would be a print that was made that was actually sent to the magazine to then be, you know, mechanically copied. And they would send the print back to the photographer. This was sort of the way it worked, right? So instead mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. sending a JPEG file over, you'd send this print over, they'd copy it however they do it, and then they'd send the print back. And on the backs of the prints, there would be a, this is property of Bill Wadman, don't dare steal it, you got to send it back to this address, that kind of thing. So a lot of the stamps that you'll find on the back of old prints were sort of these reference, like these proof copies for, for uh, magazines and, and that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of prints like this of famous photographers, say, Avedon thing that got sent to Vogue that was never returned and then somehow ended up in the private hands and was sold by a collector or whatever it is. So it's like they're not a sort of official prints. They are sort of proof prints for magazines or, or what have you. Um, so this, a lot of these kind of feel the same way, right? Where, where, uh, and a lot of photographers were very, very um, regulated about that stuff, you know, would be calling like, you never deliver, you never return my print because they saw it as this is my intellectual property being sat on as opposed sure. to returned to me. Sure. You know, um, just, uh, the way it used to work that it no longer does, I guess is the point I'm bringing up. Right. It's interesting. Hey, one of the, uh, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. One of the photographers that I talked to for the book is friends with Elliot Irwin and has been since like 97. Okay. Um, and this photographer was in New York this past June and, uh, was, received Elliot's new book as a gift oh, cool. with a, a, a nice little inscription in it. And he signed it just EE. Is, is, how, how, is that great? I wish I could do that. I wish I yeah. had a good enough name or initials that you could just shorten it down like that. Yeah. A little like a uh, shorthand for, for who, yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, Avedon could just there's no you know oh it's frank avedon sent me a picture yeah no it just says dick yeah <laughs> so i mean it's just it's kind of neat so yeah, absolutely uh hey do you see that uh the the rainbow i i saw the other day on my i boat? did that was that was holy cow pretty intense yeah uh, uh did uh, did what did you did you okay we got we're photographers here so we got we've got to ask the question how much did you punch the vibrance or the saturation a little bit, but not nearly as much as you would think in order to get it. So I it can, was I it can, was pretty vibrant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I, love I, could, that. I could show you the original uh uh and it's it's not that much more. I mean, a little bit of the saturation, but the overall like power of the thing was was crazy. In fact, I will I will uh text you right now, Jeffrey, the original, just so you can uh Ooh, look at me, I'm on the inside. Verify that it actually was uh, pretty pretty crazy yeah, to begin with. Pretty uh, nuts. So I was on a boat. I was at a wedding up on Lake George, uh, which is in upstate New York. For those of you who are not aware about uh, 
Well, it's like two and a half hours to Albany and then an hour north of theirs, Lake George. And it's a, it's a long sort of north to south, 32 mile long north to south sort of finger lake. And we were at the bottom of it. We had a wedding. So it was on a boat, like a, one of those old steamboat kind of things. Oh, wow. Wait, uh, the wedding was on the boat? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't do much to it. No. That's, that's pretty vibrant. Jesus. Yeah. So it looks so, like a, it looks like you ever see that, that show under the dome or the dome or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's like fake, it, it, right? Yeah. It looks like there's like something over this Island protecting it from, you know, yeah. barring you from entry. Wow. I, 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 in fact, I sent it to, uh, uh, Jake, the sax player who helped me on the thing the other day. And he said, that's awesome. Sid, his girlfriend, Sydney said, did he go to that Island? Because I'm pretty sure his destiny is there. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but so we're on the, we're on the you, boat. But if you it, go there, Bill, you're never getting off. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're never coming back. It's like Fantasy Island. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so we're on this boat. We're going up the lake. They did the wedding. It's like the 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 everyone had eaten. I walked out to the front of the boat, and there was just this sort of, you know, slight rainbow kind of thing because the rain had gone past. You could see this like rainbow, and then it just kept growing and growing. Went all the way across the sky, double rainbow. Wow. full hardcore but it's so big that you can't capture it in a single frame so what you're seeing there is a, a iphone panorama ah okay because i because i didn't have uh, any other way to capture it which is why it's a slight bit wobbly even though it was smooth across the sky no it's good um but here's the weird thing jeffrey how many of those have you seen in your life like a, a rainbow that goes all the way across the sky like in the movies oh a handful and and frankly none that bright Okay. From edge to edge. I have never seen one up until two weeks ago, and I've seen two in two weeks. Wow. One here in New York and one uh, one up there this weekend. It's just amazing. I've never. I've always seen just like a little bit of a rainbow, you know, like a stream that goes up into the sky or whatever. Not this like all the way across the sky thing. Anyway, it was it was really something. And you could imagine if you were a simple human who didn't have any understanding about science, you'd be like, holy crap. You know, right. <laughs> What's going on? There is gold at the end of that thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, just thought you'd get a kick out of that. So taking pictures of uh, rainbows, uh, the tr- somebody put up, uh, somebody retweeted it and said, look at this amazing picture. And I wrote, no, it's an amazing rainbow. I just happened to be there. It's like a yeah. <laughs> lucky location. There was nothing that yeah, I yeah. did that was I just special. I just held the camera up and pressed the button. It, yeah. was, it was, come <laughs> exactly. on. What is uh, Gary Yost's old thing? Uh, landscape photography is photographing the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's true. Um all right, let's uh, let's talk about FreshBooks for a minute, if you don't mind. Well, hey, you know, I was just going to ask you if you were going to invoice somebody for that picture, uh, what kind of pen and paper would you use? Uh, I well, personally, if if I had to invoice somebody for this, I would use FreshBooks, Jeffrey. That's that's what I'm getting at, I think, <laughs> because it could save you 192 hours uh, a month of your precious time, uh, or the amount of time I spent redoing one drawing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Our friends at FreshBooks, who make it ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers, are the architects behind this question, and for good reason, Jeffrey, because they want to save you those 192 hours a month. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their, a lot of people. their business paperwork. Uh, if it's not, if that's not enough incentive, is that enough incentive, Jeffrey? Cause there's it's, more. It's, it's a, it's, it's a lot of people. Okay. The, more the, people than voted. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the FreshBooks platform has re- been rebuilt by, uh, from the ground up 
They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level, added powerful new features. Oh, and if you're doing the math, that's two working days per... Did you... Have you... Uh, do you do you spend a lot of time invoicing? How do you how do you invoice? <laughs> Not as much as I'd like to. But um, <laughs> man, for years I was like I was you know making up word documents yeah. to invoice people. I, I right now I I'm sad to say I just use Google Docs and yeah. I copy and paste. I have this template that I made and I just you know create uh, new document, create new document, and plug in new information. Yeah, old school style. Old school. Yeah, Look, the only older it would be is is if I just scrawled something on a sheet of typing paper with a number two pencil and dropped it in the mail. <laughs> Jeffrey, if you use FreshBooks, you can send clean, professional-looking invoices in about 30 seconds. With literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to re- receive payments online so that people can just pay you with a credit card. Uh, you could take pictures of receipts on your phone using the FreshBooks mobile app and make your uh, claiming your expenses a million times easier, which I could have used on my last trip. Uh, FreshBooks has been completely redesigned from the ground up and custom built for the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. They got this new projects feature that lets you share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. Things happen really fast when all your conversations are in one place. Uh, there's notifications uh, that are, act like your personal assistant. They'll let you know uh, when when you're getting paid, when somebody's read uh, the invoice, and then they'll let you know when invoices are overdue, which, by the way, they'll automatic, automatically send late payment reminders. So if Jeffrey hasn't paid you for that thing he said he was going to pay you for... Checks in say, the mail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, uh, you can work with currencies all over the world, multi-currency invoicing, so you can get paid in euros or whatever. Uh, yeah, and if you, you need have, to send money to a bank in Russia, and exactly, you're covered. Don't you send can. money to any banks in Russia, people. <laughs> uh, plus, a real live person will answer their support phones in three rings or less, Jeffrey. So that's uh, pretty impressive because this is a. I mean, if you think about it, ten million people have used this thing. They've somebody a percentage of that ten million had to have called in. Yeah. Yes, and to get to talk to somebody and not just the mailbox for is full. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then, uh, so so if you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now would be a time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted thirty day free trial for all of our listeners. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com and enter on taking pictures into the how did you hear from us section and that'll help us uh, help us uh, get noticed from the freshbooks people and, and it will help. it will help us keep bringing you this entertainment that you love it's that's exactly right so, so go to freshbooks.com tell them you heard heard it from us on taking pictures when you sign up and uh, thank you very much to freshbooks for supporting on taking pictures in 5 by 5 um what, uh, where do you want to go next? Where are we going? Well, we're going, we have two different things that we could go to right now. Uh, let's do this one first. Cause it's easy. There's a Wait. new book that I want to order called the great Nadar, the man behind oh. the camera. I know another book you should order. Ha! <laughs> uh, which book am I supposed to order? <laughs> Prick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I saw this uh andy adams uh posted a little blurb about oh this. he did okay yeah i what, what i found fascinating about this was nadar who's a famous portrait and, and general photographer in paris in the late 1800s was also so many other things he was a caricaturist a journalist 
He uh, was a, a pioneering balloonist. Uh, nearly 200,000 people showed up to see one of his early flights, Jeffrey. 200,000 people have never shown up for anything nowadays. Uh, uh, he, he took the first right. aerial photographs, delivered some of the earliest airmail. Uh, Jules Verne based his uh, From the Earth to the Moon on Nadar. He was dashing and seems to have no middle gear. Wow, I just He's like uh, Carlo Molino. That's another guy. Yeah, yeah. Furniture designer. I guess my question for, for you is... How do you feel about? Uh, I'm just looking at these pictures of uh, of Versailles, and I'm like, I've been there before, right there along that railing. Look at that shot from a balloon, listeners. We are looking at uh, in this article uh, on the the New York Times, uh, an 1886 aerial photograph of Versailles, yeah, taken from a hot air balloon by Nadar. It, it, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, what? it looks like satellite photos, and from nowadays, <laughs> it's like a keyhole satellite photo. Wow. Um. Yeah. Anyway, what what I wanted to say was uh, I love the idea of a guy who's good at so many different things, you know, and is doing so many different things. Um, yes, that like it excites me in a way that's <laughs> somewhat unnecessary. It's just like, oh yeah, come on, you want a balloon? I'll balloon. Do you want me to be an editor? I'll edit. You know, the idea that we have to be one thing in life is such a strange modern invention. You know. Well, it makes small talk a lot easier when people ask you. So, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, if, uh, you, if you if you do a lot of people's eyes glaze over very quickly, by and large. Yeah, you might be right. I think you are right. Actually, that's no, it's true. You, you, but at the same time, it doesn't that make people more interesting? Uh, I think some people are more interesting. Sure. I, if I meet somebody who does a lot of different things, I'm much more interested in talking to them than the other way around. Right. Um, anyway, I just. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting, and I'm actually going to order this book because I'm a big fan of Nadar's uh, photography. Have we ever used him as our photographer of the week? Uh, I can't remember. I, you know, I think up. it could be generational, too. Um, I was at the Folklife Festival over the weekend. Uh, Which I hear is not quite as exciting as in past years. Uh, I, I've never been, so I okay. don't know. And I went for, for one specific reason, and that was to see... Uh, Robert Burridge. Do, okay. did, have I ever mentioned him? Bob I Burridge? I don't know. By the way, episode 31, Nadar. Oh, Nadar. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Robert Burridge is a, is a painter uh, that, that I found quite by accident uh, a while back, several months ago now, maybe oh, even. Is this the guy you met even. in Arlington or in, in, uh, in that building over there? Did you meet at some the, at the, at the Smithsonian? Space? Oh, okay, at the Smithsonian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so go ahead. I'm down at the Folklife Festival, and I, 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 I found him. I was looking for different techniques for, for acrylic, and Robert is a painter. Uh, he started in collage and, and you know, has since gone into mixed media. And one of, one of his passions is the circus. And uh, the Folklife Festival... One of the themes was was circus and there's circus performers. And so he was in Robert was invited to the Folklife Festival to do a demo, a painting demo of some of his circus figures. Um, and I, I watch his videos on YouTube. He does a, a thing called the Bob Blast. OK. Um, and uh, he's just charming and, and he and he gets a ton of joy out of what he does. And uh, I, I found that that he was going to be there. So I made it a point to go see him. And. I had a, had a really interesting conversation with him and we were talking about 
I asked him what came first, the circus or painting. And he stopped and he smiled and he kind of looked over and he said, that's a good question. And he, and he stopped and he gave this little anecdote about the circus and his father built him a trapeze in the backyard when he was little and he wanted Clyde to go off. music started playing in the yeah, background. That's right. That's, that's right. Um, but we got talking a little bit about his own history uh, and his own abilities pertaining to that history. And he strikes me very much as one of these sort of lost era of men that, that, that not only lived an incredibly diverse life and are living a diverse life, but has the, have at their disposal, this amazing range of skills and abilities that we seem not to have. What kind of skills? Well, trapeze. Yeah. Trapeze. That's right. I mean, every, from, from plumbing and fixing oh, okay, things to, right. sure. to building okay. to, to, uh, you know, he was, uh, 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 an engineer on a train. So we had that in common and, sure. and, you know, the military service, whatever, you know, just this, this, this interesting life, a colorful life that has seemed to be lost on maybe our generation and further, you know, and, and newer. I think a lot of There was of an people- uncomfortable silence there. I thought I thought I lost you, but, but. <laughs> well, you, you lost me. Just <laughs> <I was there. laughs> oh wow. <laughs> no, I just I, I wonder even if that was true of people back then, or if that's the archetype that people tried to thought that they were, but really weren't all that much more interesting than we are now. We're just sort of back down to knowing too much about each other so we I don't realize know. how boring our lives I mean, actually I, are. On some level, I want to believe that it all went to hell when we stopped calling them dungarees. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it was, I don't know. It, it These types of photographers, getting back to Nadar, or or any number of photographers of the week who didn't specialize in I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a the other type of photographer. They were just sure. photographers, you know, they just yep. shot. And, and Nadar seems to exemplify that even, even more in that he's this sort of adventurer and this, this, you know, raconteur. And yeah. it, I mean, he just almost a caricature of, of what we would think of as, as a person now, but was very real for the time that he, that he lived. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, but it's funny. I I had a somebody I very much respect commented on my work a few weeks ago, saying that 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 my portrait style, especially in my three sixty five, is all over the place. Like you're you're very inconsistent in in the kind of pictures you're taking. And I'm like, well, yeah, first of all, they're all portraits. I don't know, how, you know, like I don't want to take the same picture all the time. So I'm trying to do different things. And that's kind of part of it. But it's funny because to me they feel too consistent. So it's just, it's like, it's just the way people view things. Right. You know? Um, but yeah, I know I get, I get what you mean, but I think I got, I wonder if it's, if it's, if it isn't a little bit of like, not a straw man, but just sort of, a the whole, uh, the whole thing with Ed Koch where I, you know, please, Mr. Mayor, make it how it used to be. And he said, I don't know that it ever was the way you think it was. Hmm. You know, I, I'd never heard that. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a famous story. Uh, Koch had been uh, uh, elected mayor, but he hadn't taken over yet. And him and his guys were walking along the beach, uh, the boardwalk down in Brighton Beach. 
And some old woman came up to him and said, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, please make it the way it used to be. And he said, ma'am, I'll try, but I don't ever think it was the way you think it was. Hmm. Uh, and I've always remembered that, that little anecdote for some reason. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting. So, but I, but I like Bob's work. So what did he have to say this time? Uh, anything new? Well, you're going to have to wait. Oh, oh, you were having a conversation with him. We're, we're, yeah, it's, uh, oh, okay. we're, we're setting up a little something with, with his, his, his wife, Kate. Okay. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do a deep dive on- You're having on, his people talk to your people. Uh, that's right. Doing a deep dive on his life. <laughs> All right. But I'm fascinated by him, and he was, and he was just charming. He's another one of those people who, who just, uh, again, going, going full circle and bringing it back to should you love what you do, few people I have met- get as much joy out of what they do as him. Yeah. Yep. And you watch his videos and, and he'll, he'll, he'll tell you in the videos, show people in your work, what a joy it is to be a painter. Let your work see, let, let them see in your work. How, 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 how much joy you get from this. Sounds like a guy with a lot of, you know, uh, serotonin in his brain. I like it. It's a good guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be interested to hear that one. Yeah. Um, what hey, else bef- we have? Before we, before we go to the group and stuff, I, I wanted to discuss with you this, this email we got from Matt, listener Matt here. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, guys, keep up the good work on the show. I'm writing to get some advice on where to get in-depth knowledge of color management and digital printing. Do you know of any extremely reputable in-person training sessions in the U.S.? With Lynda.com, Q Jeffrey song. Uh, come closer, be better. I'm thinking <laughs> something like yeah, I'm com. thinking something like forty to a hundred hours at minimum. Would that be overkill for, to be for a good intro into digital printing? Uh, it I would think probably a lot be of time. more time than I've ever spent thinking about digital printing. Okay, that's what I was gonna get from. That's what I was looking to get from you. Yeah, I don't. First of all, I don't know of any courses that specify like that. Uh, on, on digital printing. I know of a couple books and, and ebooks and resources that I would probably look into, but in terms of a, of an actual classroom setting, a course, I, I don't know. looks like he's out in the twin cities. So if we ever, uh, maybe RISD would, does RISD still have something like that? Yeah, maybe I know that, uh, ASMP, let's see, digital printing. I know that some, there have been workshops that I've seen where especially, uh, I know that that Epson and some other you know companies that are trying to sell their stuff will do workshops on printing and 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 workflow and that kind of stuff. The the ironic thing about it is that as time goes on, you I think the manufacturers and the companies and the and the 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 software creators are trying to remove as much as possible the the mistake vectors in mm-hmm. digital printing. Mm-hmm. So that I don't know that you need to know now as much as you needed to know 10 years ago about perceptual versus absolute intent, you know, and that kind of stuff, right? I feel like a lot of it is sort of, oh, maybe you're going to use custom profiles. But even then, man, like I've used custom profiles. I've used profiles that the manufacturers made. I've used custom profiles. And then I've used the built-in profile from the from the printer manufacturer that closest most closely matches the the paper that I'm using you know so if it's a if I'm using a Red River Luster paper sometimes I'll just use the Epson Luster setting on right, the printer or right. whatever the more of a generic 
Yeah. And you know Even, what? It's, it's still a profile, but it's but right. it's it's not necessarily specific to the paper. But I don't know that it I don't know that if you made three of those and sat them next to each other, they'd all be different from each other slightly, but I don't know that I could tell you which one is the most correct. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that modern printers the, the, the printing to me the the biggest hang up printing at home is getting the brightness of the print right and that has as much to do with calibrating your monitor as it does you know exact decisions made on the printing side of things mm-hmm. um most of the time that I'll send stuff to magazines I will get it back and there are certain magazines that I send stuff to that it always looks almost exactly like it does on my screen which makes me think oh these people don't mess with what I send them and then there's other people I get it back and I was like that is not what I sent you you guys screwed around with it in, in printing or in prepress they you know messed with my stuff or didn't know what they were doing um but when it comes to printing at home I mean get a modern printer use the printer manufacturers uh, profile and print out of Lightroom or out of Photoshop. I, I mean, there's sure you could go take courses or workshops and learn all kinds of crazy stuff, but that's going to be the basic process you take unless you're going to go make your own uh, profiles. I had a guy I met once at a party who worked for some high-end spectrographic company and he made me color profiles. He made me print out stuff. I sent them to him and he made me these like super high-end color profiles for certain papers I had and they worked great. Back when I shot, uh, it was a, a Canon, uh, pig, uh, not pigment, uh, dye-based printer. Um, they worked great at the time. I don't know that they would hold up to the prints that I can make at home now if my print would, printer would get working. Do you use uh, profiles when you're printing at home or do you just use yeah. the generic stuff? You do. No, I use the profiles. And have you printed without the profiles and with them and seen a huge difference? Uh, in some cases, yeah. Okay. Yeah. More with There's a color more shift. artsy papers then um yeah i mean i don't use a lot of different papers so you know uh, it, it's probably not as critical for me as it is for someone else i use you know th- typically three different papers right uh by the way i listened to the jason lee kodakery last week yep which is where our photographer of the week i think comes from um and uh uh one of the things he mentions is that he loves a particular Red River paper. Yeah. Uh, do you remember which one it was that, that, I, he, that he liked? I think it's not polar matte. Um, no, but it was. But it was like a fine art matte paper, right? Is it? Is it the? It's. Is it not the the Dura? Oh God! What's the name of the paper now? Whichever it was, he he really liked it. I don't remember. Uh. Yeah, anyway, some, uh, we'll have to figure out what it is. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the Polar Matte, because I would have remembered that. Maybe Premium Matte Plus. Oh, maybe, maybe it was the Linen one. Anyway, see, even even cool people like Jason Lee use Red River Paper, because they do a good job, and they are right. not a sponsor. And he could use anything. He could use anything, and he chooses Red River. So if you need paper and you don't want to spend a lot of money, uh, our buddies at, uh, at Red River are... Uh, it's the way to is, go. This is an unofficial sponsorship because they've helped us out in the past and we're friends with yep. some of these guys. Yep. Uh, they do a good job. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. So if, if you've got My Name is Earl Money. Think use he made Red a lot Paper. of money on that show? I think he probably did okay. And he used to be married to uh, the chick from Leverage. From what? The woman. Uh, you ever watch Leverage? Never heard of it. It's a, a sort of somewhat bad heist TV show 
that uh what's his name was on uh um Oh, for God's sakes, it's going to drive me crazy. Uh, um, uh, who's the Ryan Reynolds. lead? No, Timothy Hutton is the lead. Timothy anyway, Hutton? Wow. Yeah, and he's really good. He's Tim- I, I like anything Timothy Hutton is in. I think he's great. Uh, anyway, Beth Riesgraf, who is, plays this uh, character named Parker on the show, uh, was Jason Lee's partner for years and actually the mother of his children, as far as I know. Uh, and she's really great on the show. Uh, so we should go watch Leverage. It's silly, but it's fun. Um, should we go to the group? Yes. Yes, we should. Going to the group. Uh, going to the group. Oh, going we need an assignment for this week. I'll figure one out while you're doing that. Uh, so the last, the last assignment was uh, electric. 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 Doing the electric. Um. Uh, Matheson, love those. Uh, black and white. He's he's killing the black and white lately. But he kills the color too. He's just a uh, Matheson. Uh, Ken Larman, you can't go wrong with a neon elephant. I love that. <laughs> Rancho Super Car Wash. Is that really true? That it's super, or that you can't go wrong with a neon elephant. That you can't go wrong with a neon elephant. I think it is true. I think a, that's they're... a pretty good car. That's a pretty good ad. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Ken Robertson. Uh, terrific. What a lot is that, of people a went with a is lot that of people. A Thunderbird? Uh, it could be. A little porthole there. A lot of people yeah, went with top, Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm terrible with the old cars. I don't know. Uh, I, I think a lot, a lot of people went with the power lines angle, the actual, like, literal electrical power. Right. Oh, look at Robert oh. Barone's uh, gunslinger photo, his cousin. Back in the Bronx in 1959 with an electric train set. Nice. Look at that little newsboy cap. That's terrific. I know. How do the people yeah. do that? That's uh, going back in time. Did you you wear uh, one of those caps at one point? Did I? Yeah. No. No. Okay. I can't. I can't rock the newsboy cap. I can't do it. Yeah, you're more of a fedora kind of guy. No, not even that. I wish I could pull off a fedora. <laughs> Uh, Mike Waller, old electric generating turbine from the Georgetown steam plant. That's kind of neat. Like, yeah. Look, uh, like the, the, uh, condensation all over the glass there. Do you see Florian's um, picture of an electric lighted F40 at 1250th of a second? That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, live music, electric guitar. Was that ZZ, is that ZZ Top? Uh, if it's not, it's a ZZ Top cover band. It's, it looked. Looks like it could be. Uh, Tim Schuf. Oh, wow. Burned car during the G20 summit in Hamburg, Germany over the weekend. Wow. Wow. Hmm. That's weird. Hey, did you see that uh, Volvo has said that after next year, they're not going to make any gas-only cars? I did see that. That's interesting. Good for them. Yeah. It's just a matter uh, of time. Mario Mirabile. I love that shot of the light under the pavement. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it is. yeah, light under the pavement. Um, that's nice. Very nice. Um, uh, yeah, so some good stuff. Really good stuff. Have, have we done complicated yet? <laughs> Every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> have we ever used it as an assignment, though? Complicated. I don't know. That's a tough one. Complicated. Too, too hard? A little obscure. All right. Uh, how about... Uh... What about complex? Because then it could be literal or metaphorical. Okay. Yeah, sure. Complex. Because it could be a, a, a complex. Oh, I see what you're saying. 
complex. I don't know. Could, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll do hashtag com- complex. Complex. Or complex. 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 It depends on how you read it. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, photographer of the week. What uh, do we do, got? You put in some links, didn't you? Did I did put I? all these in here? Maybe I did put these no, in. No, you here. just you put in the, uh, the first the, one the and wiki. then you, f- you filled in the rest. Filled it in. Okay. I had never heard of this guy. Yeah. Um, I only heard of him because of that Jason Lee interview where yep. he mentions this guy as one of his uh, 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 influences. Say? Influences, sure. Influences. Mentors. Yeah. I don't know that they knew each other. Did they? Did Inspirations. Inspirations, yes. Uh, William Christianberry. Uh, who? Christenberry? Christenberry. Yeah, William Christenberry, 1936, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, died uh, last year in November um, at 80 years old. You ever been to Alabama? Um, Alabama, I have never been to. It's one of, I think, now five or six states that I haven't been to. Um, It's an interesting place. I would imagine it would be. I also, uh, you know, actually Alabama came up this morning because it was super humid this morning. It was like 89 degrees humidity. And I was just saying how much it would suck to have to work out or do something outside in this kind of weather. And then I remembered that my grandfather had basic training at Camp, Camp Cyber, Alabama. Wow. Which, could you imagine doing basic training in like 95 degree, you know, heat and humidity? Oh No, wearing what was probably back then wool. Wool socks and 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 boots yeah go run up that hill jeffrey yeah wool <laughs> trousers i mean you've you've got maybe a white t-shirt on but Ugh. yeah anyway yeah uh Ugh. kristen berry is is <laughs> is a photographer painter sculptor like a sort of well-rounded artist as we were saying absolutely in fact studied painting uh at the university of alabama actually has his uh, bachelor's in fine and master's degree in fine arts in fact he taught at the corcoran uh school of art and design in dc uh, which is no right longer, here in town. Which is no longer a thing, right? Didn't it get sucked up by somebody uh, else? It's part of something else now. I think did it, did it get part of? Is it part of Georgetown now? Somebody bought it, right, or, or took it over? Um, uh, I think so. Yeah, it's part of GW now. But the the point is, uh, <laughs> Krista Berry uh, would go around and shoot these sort of uh, existing landscapes, man made landscapes. I guess what would you call them? How would you I how would guess. you describe these things? They're not urban landscapes, but they're they're almost like suburban landscapes. I, yeah, it's like it's a, like color Walker Evans, semi-rural still life kind of yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to describe. And and the way that that Jason Lee put it, he said, you know, you could look at Kristen Berry's pictures of you know a barn or a ch- old disused church, often you know in the woods that's all boarded up as well. It's just a picture of a building and. But that's okay. That's kind of what we're trying to get at is the fact that it's just a building and like that that has meaning unto itself, I think is what he was trying to get at. Right, right. And and use just this simply an, documenting the object has value and merit. Right. And that yeah. that this is how he sees a lot of his own work as sure, it's just an old hotel in the middle of nowhere in West Texas, but that it's more than that because I was there photographing it and that, you know, turns it into something more. And this is just documenting the human condition and how things change over time and, and the, 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 the things that surround us. And I don't know. I, so I found it very interesting that, that he would choose a guy like this who I'd never heard of as 
this 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 great influence and i just thought it was kind of fun to use him as a photographer but when you when you look at at kristen berry's work and then look at jason lee's work i think you can see the connection oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah although i think that i feel like jason lee's work is a little more not abstract or ethereal. I'm not trying to say it is is like it's less thought out, but it feels more, almost more out of time than Christenberry's work feels to hmm. me. And I don't Does know. Does it feel more intentional to you somehow? Like yeah, more curated, almost. Yeah, Christenberry feels a little bit like a guy who walked around with a camera and would just take pictures of what he saw, which is totally what Jason Lee is also doing. He's driving around with a big camera, popping it out mm-hmm. of the back of his truck. And taking pictures, but somehow, I think because Christenberry seems to be using smaller format film, the pictures feel more. And I don't mean this is derogatory thing snapshotish than Jason Lee's do. I almost see more Fred Herzog in in Jason Lee's work. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Although it's funny because in one of these pictures in the Christenberry thing, there is a in the first page of the third the Jackson Fine Art link. Is the guy? Uh, hold on, let me let me get there. Hold on I think it's the actually it's the yeah I think it's the first page, fifth, one, right two, row three, top, one. Uh, like guy the guy in, in front of the fruit stand. Yeah, that feels yeah. very. That's total Herzog. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about very to say. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally just feels. That's like right up that alley. Mm-hmm. Um, where some of the stuff out in the middle of nowhere, I got. I feel it feels very color Walker Evans to me. Yeah. Um. Who, who's who's been a photographer that I've, while I adore some of the work, Walker Evans, that is, I've never been able to put my mind around it very well. I don't know hmm. why. Like, I maybe I need to dig a little bit deeper into the Walker Evans world. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all this stuff's very interesting. And then, so there's a, there's a book, uh, Kristen Berry, William Kristen Berry, Kodachromes. So yeah, so he was shooting 35 millimeter slides. Um, although best known for his large format color photographs made with vintage brownie cameras, Kristen Bear has also consistently worked in 35 millimeter Kodachrome slides since he took up photography. This is a showcase of unknown body of work spanning from 67 to 2007 with only a small number of images having ever been published or exhibited. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how I feel about him. You, you, you like this stuff? I do. I like it. It, it, you know, again, it hits that sort of. Fred Herzog, uh, even even into William Eggleston territory. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a little bit of an Eggleston thing. Yeah, which I I I put uh, the Democratic Forest on my on my wish list. That's something I think I'd like to pick up. It looks like um, the photographs are really kind of in my wheelhouse. Do you when you go places? You know, say you look at some of these pictures, and he's in front of some old rundown store in the middle of nowhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's boarded up. When you go through towns like this, do you feel comfortable there or does that make you feel like, oh, God, there's nothing going on here? Who knows what kind of crazy people are around here? Uh, I I feel very comfortable. Okay. Um, partially, I think, because seeing so much of that in my childhood, you know, old yeah, desert I guess, towns, yeah. yep, yep. Um, abandoned service stations, filling stations, um, coffee shops. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of part of the fabric of, of how I grew up. 
Yeah, maybe so, that's the difference. I didn't have a lot of that in Connecticut. You don't have a lot of that in the Northeast, you know. Yeah, yeah. Real estate's too expensive to be sitting there empty. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, y- you had a very different reaction to the Salton Sea, for example, when you went there than I did. Yeah, Salton Sea made me anxious. Yeah, whereas I'm, you know, we found ourselves going inside of some of the abandoned houses and, sure. you know, it's 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 weird. Because you're seeing weird. remnants of these people's lives. You're, yep. In some cases, you're seeing clothing still there. You're seeing prescription bottles still there. You're seeing, you know, uh, like they, they just couldn't be bothered to take everything they owned because what they owned wasn't worth taking. Right, right. You know, right, so that's, right. that's a fascinating kind of dichotomy, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, amazing work. Yeah, if you just, if you know, if you just do a Google search for... William Christenberry, you're going to find a whole lot of his, uh, the, just the building images, these sort of almost um, typogra- typology kind of images, right? Where I'm going to find a bunch of stuff that kind of looks like this and, and, and shoot them almost as, as, as a series of a type, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is a very interesting thing to do. A lot of this kind of stuff takes, there are certain kinds of art that don't, can't be done quickly that take a lot of time, you know? I've, I've been thinking lately about doing a series um, on top of 365 this summer where I take my camera out on a tripod, set it down, and actually compose an image like I would on a big camera because I'll get this similar quality, you know, on, the, on my camera, and really try to build a thing of strange little places inside of Brooklyn that have a similar kind of feel to this as a mm-hmm. little series. That's very un me just as something fun to do. Um, you should, I mean, yeah, I think I will it cost to cost only time. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know? and in the next month or two, it's, you know, summers are usually fairly unbusy for my world because everyone's out in the Hamptons and stuff. Yeah. Only um, time, man. I, I was watching a, a Draplin video the other day and he was talking about his process a little bit and he, he kept saying over and over vectors are free. Vectors are free. <laughs> you know, in the context of when you're when you're making a logo or making a project, you know, uh, duplicate this and then iterate that one. And then yep. when you get to someplace interesting, duplicate that and start again so that you've got this trail of of iteration back to the initial idea. Vectors yep. are free. You know, digital photos, by and large, are free. You know, make those sketch images, work yeah. a subject, work light, work angle, you know, work depth of field. See what's going to communicate. Don't just snap it. Yep. 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 Think about it a little more. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. If you want to get a hold of us, 347-687-9411 will leave us a voicemail. You and Tom in Michigan can leave us voicemails. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. You can find us at Bill Wadman at, Je- at Jeffrey Sidoris on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Wadman365 on Instagram if you want to follow my daily portrait thing. Uh Look out for Jeffrey's book, which is coming soon. Have, you, have, you, have, you have a timeline? What's your timeline? The, the, the ebook will be out before the print book for obvious reasons. Um, I'm hoping the ebook will be out in the next couple of weeks. You, are you um, worried that it'll cannibalize print sales? I am not. Uh, they, from, from most statistics and in talking to several publishers, two there, are, there are two different markets at work. Okay. Um, and there might be some bundle deals. We, we may do a, a Kickstarter where if you, you know, you can for $5 more or something, you can, you can pre-order the print book and then 
get the ebook right now for you know for the, for the, the the cost of the bundle or something. We're looking at, yeah, yeah, at yeah, different yeah. ideas, um, but should have some more information by the next show on okay. on concrete plans. Excellent. Yeah. Um, got anything else? Mm, I don't think so. Oh, while they did not sponsor this episode, uh, Squarespace added 16 new templates to I their I saw some offering. of those. Yeah. In fact, I've been so, playing with some of those. Yeah. If you are a Squarespace user or considering it, 16 new templates. Go check them out. Yeah. Are they actually new or are they built on the same families? <sighs> Loaded no, question. The th- that's the thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. If you look, you will see some new. Yeah. If you look, you will see some that look new but have a different name. And the one that used to be called the same name is now gone. I see. Okay. So, so refreshes um, of some super old ones or something. Yeah. I mean, there, there are no, from what I can tell, there are no new features. There are simply uh, new layouts of existing templates, which are then renamed into new templates. Right. But, okay. you know, for those people who don't want to spend the time uh, or don't have the time to spend monkeying around with look and feel and that kind of thing, this is a great option. And who has time to monkey about anything? <laughs> that was me monkeying. That was that was pretty good. I like your little yeah. monkeying. By the way, uh, Danny Alexander, who's a listener of the show, uh, bought, bought a bought a 645Z on, wow. on, on, uh, on eBay. Got Why good, would he do got that? Got a pretty good price. Oh, come on. <laughs> Were all of the other cameras sold out? But um <laughs> uh yeah, so pretty cool. I keyed. Um pretty cool. So I'll be interested to see how how we like on it. eBay, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 14,000 uh exposures. That's that's nothing on a on a shutter system like that, is it? I don't think what so. Are they ra- I, what are they rated I at? Two hundred thousand. Rated to like one hundred and fifty, which is mm-hmm. interesting because I've been shooting a lot on mine, and uh, I've actually been thinking recently, trying to figure out how. I think maybe somewhere in here it'll actually tell me how many I've shot, but uh, I don't see it anywhere here. I wonder if there's a way to find that out on this camera. Yeah, it'd be there's got to be something, a menu or something that you can get in there, right? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. I gotta go. I gotta go look because uh, it used to. It's kind of hard to figure out on Canon cameras nowadays. Um, really, they, is, there's no there's no dedicated no they functionality? Like, they basically hide it, which I don't understand why you would hide that. It's useful knowledge for people who need their. You know, it just seems like petty to hide that kind of thing. Hey, here's here's one for sale too. Look at this. Yeah, how much? Uh, 2,500 with 3,400 actuations. That's cheap. Uh, I've since moved to a smaller mirrorless Fuji, which has left this camera with minimal use. There you go. Grab it. Somebody should grab that? it. What I'm saying somebody for? should grab it. Oh. Not you. Not me. Um, yeah. All right. Go take pictures. I'm going to go take some with mine. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you... Next Tuesday, which will be, what, the 18th? The 18th. I will 18th. Be in, I will be in D.C. for a few hours this weekend. Will you? Yeah. Are you going to actually call me this time, or are you going to come and go with nary a word? Well, I'm here this time to see Bert for his birthday, and then, uh, well, I don't know. Well, hey, yeah. another maybe, birthday on the 21st, Maybe uh, Maybe Sunday morning. We can do all Sunday right. morning. Uh, all right. I will talk to you all later. All right. Have a great week, everyone.